is scattered far out, so just so that we can keep moving. So um, tonight, if you don't have your Bibles with you, I have the scriptures here. Um, I, am, I am usually PowerPoint dependent, and I am doing my best not to be. So I've got my little papers up here. <clears throat> but uh, I just want to um, pray as they're passing those out and distributing those. Father God, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you so much, Father. Your word declares in itself that in your light, we see light. And Father God, I thank you, Lord, that in, it's in your light, Father, the light of your word tonight, Father, that I just believe or receive, Father, that there's going to be light and revelation come. Father, I know that this isn't a complicated message. It's not a hard message. It's not a hard study that we'll be going through. And, um, but do, Lord, I do ask, Father, for your still your help. Lord, as, as we just bring out things tonight, Father, bring out things even that I haven't seen before. We thank you so much for your goodness and, and for just being with us here tonight in this place. And uh, we just believe we receive your, your light and your revelation in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Um, I'm going to make it a little bit easier for the sound men. The last time I tried to do this, we had people reading and all kinds of stuff. And the microphone was bouncing around all over and there was some delays and, you know, there was some volume issues. And so... Tonight, if um, I still want audience participation, I'm not letting you off the hook. So, um, but what I'm going to ask, uh, well, I just just be ready, just be aware that uh, I used to be an online listener when I was living in another state. I'd snoop on you guys and see what God was doing here. And um, whenever you guys speak out there, nobody online can hear what you're saying. But I very much want audience participation tonight. So. As you give your answer, I'm going to make sure that I hear it. Um, but then I'm also going to repeat it for the people who are online. So, But I'll just do that here instead of making Robert or James or Mike. You know, we'll, we'll let them rest tonight. And we'll see how that goes. We'll see if maybe this works a little better. So um, we'll just start. We're, uh, so this is, this is a study. Last time we looked at the life of Moses, we kind of did a... A swift, broad overview and uh, looked at some things. We saw how God, in the dealings with Moses, God equipped him. He gave him an assignment, equipped him. I think I have him reversed. But anyway, but then he also gave him instructions. You know, I, uh, I think one of the most frustrating experiences that I've had in my life, and I won't give all the details and no, it's not. It's not job-related. It would be family-related, but I'm not giving any more details because family goes to this church. <laughs> but anyway, um, but I think that whenever I was asked to do something and wasn't given, you know, the example that I have was that I was asked to find a tool in a toolbox, but I didn't know what the tool was. And <clears throat> whoever was giving me the instructions was not right there just to show me or teach me. They were, you know, far away. So I'm just hearing this shout, I need blah, blah, blah. And so I go over, and I'm looking at it, and I'm going, I don't know what it is. You know, I'm younger, of course. I'm not, you know, I, I know I look really young now, but I'm, I was even younger, even younger. And I was so frustrated because I wanted so much to be able to give that right tool, but I didn't know what it was. And, you know, because the, then he had to come down from where he was and, you know, help me find the tool and show me what it was and, um, you know, so it was difficult for him. So, you know, he wasn't too happy about that. And for me, 
And I think for some people, sometimes in my life, I have thought that God was just like that, where he didn't give me all the information. And where there were times that he was saying, I need this, but I had no idea how to give him that. And as, as I want to, one of my goals, one of, I believe, the Lord's goals with this study is to, to go through these lives of these individuals and to kind of take them off a pedestal in a way. And I know we started to do that last week. This week is going to be even probably more so. I, I don't know what you think when you think of Moses, but I see the Red Sea partying. I see Ten Commandments, you know, the movie and the, you know, you know, all these amazing things. And it's like, how could someone like me ever do anything like that? And tonight, as we look into the life of Moses, we're going to see some things that we may see how much like Moses we are or how much like us Moses is. So, um, so we'll just, we'll kind of just start. Hopefully, did everybody get your handouts? Can we go ahead and, we got it? All right, good. No, we got somebody that isn't. Um, are there more or did we run out? If we ran out, we could probably, maybe we could get, uh, okay, thank you. So um, if somebody could help, thank you. All right, so, <clears throat> so this comes, this study is out of the book of Exodus. And so we'll go ahead and just start. These verses that I have are from Exodus 1. So a reading, it's from, starts in verse 22 of chapter 1, and it goes through some parts of chapter 2. So I'm just going to go ahead and read it just for, to make it simple for the sound people tonight. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile. But let every girl live. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it, put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry. And another translation of that is had compassion for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. How many moms are going, I wish I had a deal like that. Would it maybe made it a little bit easier. Um, so the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses. Moisha, saying, I drew him out of the water. Now, just kind of an interesting fact before we get into some questions and go on with the story. Um, you know, as you go through this, yeah, you know, to put some things in context, we'll be mentioning this over throughout the night, but this order was coming from the most powerful person on earth. Okay? 
Egypt at this time was the leading nation. You know, so in our day, we're kind of used to some sort of a balance of power. There's China, there's Russia, there's other nations. But at this time, there was only one. Egypt was it. You know, there were maybe some African nations, but Pharaoh was the most powerful person in all the world, politically, governmentally. Okay, so this is all the power, you know, the most powerful person. And he is the one who is giving this order. He is the one who is giving this order. You know, I know Pastor Eric ministered on mothers. And so for, they don't mention the name of the, the mom right here. It's found later in Exodus. But stop and think about that. Her courage to hide her baby for three months. Because they could just as easily as killed her for not obeying the order and allowing Moses to live. So quite a heritage that he has. But beyond the fact that she was willing to hide him for three months and do all that she could to keep him alive, and then I have it written down here, isn't it interesting that perhaps the only person who could legally and get away with it, you know, in that governmental structure, who could defy the order of Pharaoh to destroy all the male Hebrew babies is the very person who finds Moses. That's one of those, you know, in the Psalms, they have a word, S-E-L-A-H, Selah. I don't know how you pronounce it, but Selah, Selah. But pause and think on that. How good God is. So one of the things you're going to see in the thread of the life of Moses, does Moses have anything to do with that? He's just a baby, okay? So watch God's hand. Watch God's hand. This doesn't have anything to do with how awesome or amazing Moses is. He's a cute baby. He's a fine child, the scripture says. But he didn't have anything to do with who found him, okay? Okay, so if you're going to keep score of, okay, amazingness, is it on Moses' side or is it on God's side? God's side, okay? All right, so going on, this is just the next verse in chapter 2. We've, you know, moved into a new chapter. So it, um, oh, I think we missed some scripture here. Can I borrow somebody's Bible? Because it's really important to get that. And when I read it or edited it, I didn't, um, I didn't catch that. So thank you, Pastor Virginia. I would, I could use mine, but it, the print is so small. So, thank you. This is easy on my eyes, too. So, if you want to define this next part that I'm reading, I'm going to be reading out of chapter 2. And it sets some things up <clears throat> for us that we need to know. Oh, no, I guess it's right. I guess it's just me. Anyway, so let's just read it. You have it on your handouts. Everything's good. One day after Moses had grown up, I, what threw me off was the little title that's there. That's, it's going to happen later, and I thought it was happening right here about him fleeing. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were, and he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. And, and it's important, I think, that, you know, the translation I used, I, I don't remember which one it is, but it translated one of his own people. But in the 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 word that they're translating as brethren, 
brothers. Okay, so this is our first question. How does Moses see himself? Okay, he's grown up in the palace of Pharaoh, raised in the house of royalty by Egyptian, the Egyptians who have adopted him. Who, how does he see himself? Okay, so it says, so he sees, him, sees himself as a Hebrew. He went out to where his own people were. He watched them in their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Okay, and, the, and again, that's brothers. So um, turning it over to the next page. How do you think Moses may have felt about how his position and lifestyle compared to theirs? Any, any thoughts? Okay, so Pastor Virginia says that he thinks that he had it pretty good. Any, any other thoughts? Okay, that he was maybe blessed or lucky? Okay, so obviously he had sympathy for him. Okay, so he's, he's, he has sympathy for where they are. Um, any thoughts about how he might have thought about himself? Okay, so we've got it from a couple different directions. Guilty. Okay. Now, I won't get political on us, but it's the same kind of idea that we can see sometimes when you have leaders in the United States of America do things. Sometimes they do it out of a sense of guilt. Okay. They see the underprivileged countries around us and they feel, oh, we're so rich, we're so blessed. And, and you know, what can I do to help? And that's not bad to want to help. But the guilt... This is an interesting thing. So, yeah, it's very possible that he felt guilty um, because he had it so easy and they had it so hard. Okay? Now, so let's just move on. Just some thoughts. Looking this way, this is verse 12. Looking this way and that way and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. Now, I'm just going to read the last part of that other one. So, remember, the setting is he's watching how hard their labor is. He sees an Egyptian. Of course, they're the taskmaster. They're the boss, the guy with the whip, the guy with the stick or club. You know, the Hebrew was either not working fast enough or whatever, right or wrong. You know, the Egyptians beating him. Okay, so that's, um, that's the setting again. Next thing is, so here's Moses looking this way and that way. Okay, seeing no one probably means seeing no Egyptians because, you know, the Hebrew was there. He killed the Egyptian. And hit him in the sand. Okay? What do we learn about Moses' heart as he helps this Hebrew slave? Any thoughts? Okay, Winona? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's... he's Okay, so there's, there's this, this brotherly connection. He's helping him out. Any, anybody else have any other words or things they want to add to that? Okay, good, good way to put it, cause, and that's actually you know, real close to how I've put it in, as we go through. You're seeing <clears throat> that Moses had a big heart to help people who maybe were underprivileged or had less than he did, okay? Moses' heart is huge in this. As we're going through this, Moses' heart is really big. So what do we learn about Moses' heart? Okay, so he, he wanted, he had a heart to help, a heart obviously to do something. You know, it was, 
pretty big deal. Yeah, he had a caring heart. Okay. Okay, so um, so he looks about, sees the, you know, kills the Egyptian, hides him in the sand. Okay, so let's go on. Verse 13. The next day, okay, next day, calendar changes, new day. The next day he went out, and today he sees two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong. Okay, catch that. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? Okay, so catch that picture. Why do you think Moses went out again the next day? Okay, so, so Pastor Eric says that it could have been because he wanted to see if anybody knew what he had done the day before, if it had been found out. Okay. Okay, so Pastor Virginia says that maybe he went out to see if he could help again. Okay, remember... He's a member of the most powerful family, okay? And there's something stirring in him, compassion, care for these these slaves that are getting beaten, that are fighting amongst themselves, okay? So so it's very possible could have been could have been one or the other. Anyway, so verse 14, the man says, "Who made you ruler and judge over us?" Now remember, they're probably just thinking he's an Egyptian, okay? I don't know if they know who he is. So there, you know, he probably looked like an Egyptian, dressed like an Egyptian. I don't know. Is there a song? Something? Anyway. But anyway, <clears throat> I, you know, so, yeah, we won't. We won't. Yeah. No video right now. Okay. So um, the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Yeah. Ouch. Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Okay, we're going to spend some little time with this picture. Um, the first question that I want us to really look at is this, this, this first thought. So here's Moses. He's running from Pharaoh. He's afraid. Um, you know, and he's, he's going in this place, Midian, which we'll kind of discuss a little bit more about that in a second. But have you ever asked the question, what did Moses not do? What did Moses not do in this situation? And then I kind of just threw a teaser out. If this had been a modern movie plot, what would Moses have done? Okay, so we've got some, you know, what was that, Patsy? Okay, so he could have denied what he did. And then, Bobby, were you... Throwing out something there? Okay, well. Okay, so here. No, but that's key. That is key. In a modern movie plot, whether it's X-Men or whatever, Ben-Hur, even, you know, they turn into Superman. Okay, notice the difference of what Scripture gives as a description of Moses. Okay. But seriously, no, you'll, you'll find, I actually did a search, and you can find movie after movie after movie where they talk about slave revolts, 
and where the person becomes this grand hero that delivers a people, okay? But is that the story we're reading today in our Bibles? Okay? So what do we see Moses doing? He's not, you know, putting his cape on, you know, with the big M on it, and, uh, you know, uh, taking over and having a showdown with Pharaoh, okay? He doesn't do any of that. He runs, Okay, so a little bit of information to kind of help us understand what that running must have been like. Moses' journey, have just a little bit of information at the bottom of page two. Moses' journey to Midian was around 200 miles. Okay, now how far is it to Oklahoma City? So it's only 130, have to go farther. Anybody know something that's, what's south of Oklahoma City? Anyway, but so you're talking about Running on foot, okay, he didn't steal a camel, he didn't ride a donkey, he didn't go. He's on foot. Like, you're going to start here in Woodward and go past Oklahoma City. Okay, so we're talking about a, a pretty good trek. He had to flee far enough to get away from any area that Pharaoh, the most powerful ruler of the day, controlled. Okay, so it's like he had to leave the country. Is saying in our area is get out of Dodge. Okay? So, but he had to get away from anywhere that there might be Egyptian authority. Egyptian policemen is in our understanding. Okay? Soldiers or whatever. In other words, they're going to come to the edge and they're not going to look for him past that line. He had to cross that line. Okay? And that meant that he had to go 200 miles. It may have taken him, depending on how far he walked each day. Okay? Because remember, he's on foot. He doesn't have a car. He's not flying. He's walking. It could have taken him up to anywhere from 10 days to two weeks, depending on the pace he was able to keep. And uh, <clears throat> there were no fast food restaurants along the way. Okay? I don't know what he took for food. The Bible doesn't give us any information. But this was not an easy journey. Okay? And so remember where we catch him. Okay, I'm going to read it again. So you've got that now. You've got an understanding. Okay, so he has run... So long, he's run for two weeks, okay? He has run for 200 miles, and he sits down by a well, okay? So just, just understand where this person's at. Picture Moses in your mind running for his life up to two weeks. He's weary. He's exhausted. He's sitting by this well. And then the top of question, uh, question at the top of page three, does he seem like the Bible hero we learned about in Sunday school. Okay? And it does a disservice to us to not know the rest of the story. And sometimes our understanding, you know, I was thinking tonight some, you know, um, our son plays Goliath all the time, and or David. He plays David, and I'm Goliath, and, you know, the sling and the five smooth stones and the whole thing. So I got to fall down on the couch. And um, there were just some things as he was acting that out that I was like, I had never thought that about that in the story. You know, I won't go into that. That's a whole other thing. But there's so many things in the scriptures that when you go fast, you read through, you're doing your chapter a day, that when you don't take the time, you miss. So no, he doesn't seem like a Bible hero. Okay? Now, let's just get a little bit more information. Verse 16, now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came near to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away. But Moses got up and came to their rescue 
and watered the flock. And all the women said, Hallelujah, Amen, praise God. Um, some things here. What do we learn about Moses' heart and what he does? Okay, what is he doing again? Helping people, helping people who are weak, helping people who are not able to help themselves. Okay, so think about this, though. He's run for two weeks. He's weary. He's exhausted. He's, he can't help himself. How many times have we not been weary and exhausted and run for 200 miles and we see somebody in need and we're just like, uh, not right now. I got, I'm busy. I got to go this way. Okay. Moses could have just sat there. I'm tired. He could have just sat there. Okay. But God has put something in his heart that just won't stop. Isn't that cool? Okay. There's something there, you know, so, you know, so we can put that on the amazing side for Moses, but who's really the one that put it there? God put it there. Okay. So, so, but that's just so amazing. Okay. So next thing, verse 18, when the girls return to Ruel, okay, I'm going to throw this out there. Ruel means friend of God in Hebrew. That was their father. They returned to Ruel, their father. He asked them, why have you returned so early today? They answered, an Egyptian. Remember, he looks like an Egyptian, okay? Rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. Okay, so he didn't just drive away the shepherds. He even watered the flock, okay? Where is he, Ruel asked his daughter. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave him his daughter, Zipporah, to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreign, foreigner in a foreign land. Okay, so it's, I always think that the father-in-law is, what, who becomes Moses' father-in-law, I always think his, his uh, stop and think. We don't have that understanding because we don't live in that culture, but if you had seven daughters, they're having to shepherd the sheep. There's no man, okay? He doesn't have a son. He doesn't have a son to drive away the shepherds, okay? So when there's somebody that shows up on the scene that's driving away the shepherds, he's, why did you leave him out there? Bring him home for dinner, you know? And he's not just going to bring him home for dinner. He's like, here's my, you know, have one of my daughters. That father-in-law is like, I'm not letting you go. You know, you're, you're a keeper, okay? You know, and he was. Moses was a keeper, Okay. But anyway, that's an aside. That's not really a part of our study. But I do want to look at is what do we know? And then you can see this in verses 16 and verse 18. What do we know about who Moses ends up becoming his son-in-law? Okay, what do we know? It's just right in Scripture. Okay, so, okay, so his name means friend of God. They're not going to call him that unless somehow they had some understanding of who God is. Okay, so he has to have some understanding of who God is. Friend of God, okay? Not just some understanding, but like a friend. Okay, who else? What else is he? Verse 16. Okay, so he's also a priest. Mm, priest of Midian. Okay, so <clears throat> another question. Was Moses a foreigner in a foreign land in Egypt? He was. Technically, yes. Technically, yes. But it had become like home to him. 
because he was raised there. He was born there. So it's really interesting, his perspective. Um, it, that's just kind of an aside, too. That's kind of off topic, but it's pretty cool. Now, I, I want us to kind of look at some, some things uh, at the top of page four and, and just look at the hand of God. Okay, this is where we just, just fill up the side of the board for God because this, when you look at this, it's absolutely amazing. So we see, and we can see from Scripture, that Pharaoh's daughter had to be a compassionate person. Okay? When she found the baby, she didn't drown it. She didn't report it to her father so that it could be killed. Okay? She adopted it as her own. Okay? So in spite of what her father's orders were for all those babies to be killed, Moses ends up with that same kind of heart. Isn't that amazing? who has compassion on the weak and helpless, even at the risk of his own life. When he killed that Egyptian, he knew <laughs> that if it got found out, Pharaoh was going to want to kill him. Okay? So even though he had been raised in the house of the king, it didn't matter. He was not supposed to break that law. Okay? So, but Moses risked his life. Moses was a person who had a compassionate heart. We see that again and again. So another interesting thing that God does, Moses is raised in the house of Pharaoh, He's, who is a powerful leader of a nation. Moses himself becomes a powerful leader of a nation. We don't, we don't see it here yet, but that's coming. Isn't that amazing? God made sure Moses would have some experience about that part of life because one day Moses is going to have to be a Pharaoh to the nation of Israel, a leader, not necessarily a Pharaoh, but a leader Next, Moses stays with his father-in-law, a priest. And what do we see Moses becoming? Someone who offers sacrifices. Okay? Does Moses have anything to do with any of this? No. Other than the fact that he had to be willing to allow that compassionate heart to be put in him. But, but this is all God's doing. Moses, we see in the book of Leviticus and all that stuff, he, he's offering sacrifices. He's forming, performing priestly duties. But he ends up staying with a father-in-law who is a priest and beginning to see, even though, you know, we don't see God teaching him through this or anything like that, but we still see God's hand. And the next thing is Moses' father-in-law's name means friend of God. Moses will also become to be known as a man that speaks with God face to face as a friend. And I didn't give you the scripture reference, but you can look it up. And if you want to know what it is, I can find it for you. Amazing. And how much does Moses have to do with any of that? He's just living his life. He's just living his life. So verse 23 of chapter 22, it says, During that long period, the king of Egypt died. And then um, we'll just close with this scripture. Forty years passed from Exodus 22. Okay, so we go from this verse to the next couple verses. And it's, you know, and when we start chapter 3, it's going to be 40 years later, but this is the, the next setting that it gives in Scripture. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. So, um, so as far as we know, does Moses think about his fellow Hebrews during those 40 years? As we know, no. 
as far as we know, does he even tell them what his nationality is, his new family and father-in-law? We don't see in Scripture him ever correcting them when they call him an Egyptian. We don't ever see Moses say, oh, oh no, I'm a Hebrew. Okay, so um, next question. As far as we know, does, yeah, that's the next thing. As far as we know, does Moses ever reveal what his true identity is and what his true nationality is? Up to this point in this story, is there anything that makes Moses amazing, great, or stand out in any way? What's his one redeeming thing? Hmm? He's got a big heart. And that big heart gets him in trouble, huh? On one hand, it gets him in trouble and makes him have to run, but the other one, it gets him his wife. So <laughs> go balance that. that. Figure that out. That's extra. Okay. Now, um... Now, I'm just going to kind of read through some of these questions, and I'll let you, these are the, the ones on page five. But I'm just going to kind of, again, these, these are some pause and think on that questions, and they may fit for your life and they may not, okay? Have you ever had long periods of time that you were felt that you were stuck like Moses? Remember, Moses is stuck 40 years, okay? Nothing in Scripture is even recorded other than that he kept his father-in-law's sheep, Okay? That one little sentence covers 40 years, <laughs> okay, which, you know, um, <clears throat> I'm just a tiny bit over 40, but that's a long time, okay? Ooh, is that from the back row? Ooh, ouch. <laughs> My wife wants to quickly correct me because I'm actually 50 for anybody who cares. So, um, just living life, nothing amazing or great happening to you or through you, okay? You can, you can just answer that on your own. You can fill that in on your papers, there was something that God put inside Moses that kept showing up on his best days and even on his worst days. And, and so this is something, just to go before the Lord. What has God put inside of you? Okay? You know, I, as we close tonight, I am going to pray, you know, that, that, that those things come back to the surface because sometimes those 40 years get really long and things get pushed down and things get shoved away. And, but what is that thing that God has put si inside of you? What do you stand up for? You know, um, I wish that I could have taken this person's teaching, but there was a gentleman that he had this little grid. And he said that by the time I take you through this piece of paper and had all these squares, you know, all these squares, you will know your destiny. And I only remember one or two, but one of them is what makes you mad what you know but that's something that can help you find that key of what what has god created you to do what makes you mad what made moses mad injustice injustice okay so is there anyone that you want to rescue or help okay just some things to think about things that you might fill in may be helpful for you, may not be. Again, everybody's different, but this is hitting some people. Now, um, we are probably going to take our next study on the burning bush. And so if you don't know what that is, later Moses is going to encounter God at the burning bush. But from what we've seen is everything of Moses's life so far in scripture. Do you think that God was working in Moses's life before the burning bush? Okay. Without a question, you can see that tonight. God was. Okay, so we should all be able to say yes. But this is the next question. Can you see any places where God has been working in yours? 
And again, I'm going to pray that God help us to see that. Because if you're sitting there and going, well, I can see it here, but not there. And, ah, you know, um, we're going to pray. Now, this, this next question, again, Moses had an amazing start in life. And, and his, the, his heritage, his parents were amazing. Okay? We didn't go into it a whole lot. Pastor touched on it Sunday. But, but Jochebed, his Moses' his mom, again, we talked about it a little bit today. She risked her life to save her baby boy. Okay? She must have been praying or seeking or somehow known. Somehow, whatever she was doing was cooperating with God's plan. How she got the information, I don't know how she knew to, to do the ark, the little bulrush of, basket of bulrushes or whatever. But it definitely was God's plan. There's no question because of what we see in the end. So he had amazing parents. He was raised, so that was his natural birth parents. And then you look at his adopted parents, and he's got this, this adopted mom who has this huge heart. He's got the dad, or this new adopted dad, is the most powerful person in all the land. Pretty big, sh- pretty big shoes to fill. Pretty big shoes. But by the time we see Moses and Midian, all that seems forgotten. Okay, remember, my, my picture of his low point is him sitting by the well after running for 10 to 12 days or however long, two weeks. And he's just weary. He's exhausted. He's run for his life. Do you feel that may you uh, can identify with some of that? Do you feel that you may be letting down your family or your parents or your heritage? And again, this isn't going to hit everybody. But sometimes the most amazing parents can sometimes have kids that, you know, everybody looks at and is like, you know. Um, and sometimes those kids give up trying to ever be amazing because it's like, I can't. There is no way I can ever attain. And again, this may not be you. That's fine. Just, we, I had a preacher that used to say, just take the shovel and shovel it over your shoulder and let it hit the person behind you. you know, maybe it's for them. So, but um, if you feel that tonight, be comforted and know that Moses' story is not over and neither is yours. You know, this is just setting up the stage tonight because... What we've seen is Moses isn't a person that, that has all these amazing gifts, talents, and abilities. We're going to find out next week that he, he stuttered. Okay? He had problems. He had things that really weren't going for him. Okay? So, but there's these famous two words, but God. Okay? So um, why don't you stand with me as we close tonight? So as you've probably figured out, yes, where we, I'll be uh, speaking in June and we'll have the next installment of this. I've been having Christy punch him, and again, I'm not going to be checking on you to see if you do. But if you did want to save him, we hole punched him so you could put him in a binder. Because I don't know how long this is going to go. But anyway, so Father God, tonight, <laughs> Lord, I thank you, Father, that there is not a single person 
who is listening to this message either here or is going to hear it someday in the future that doesn't have the same potential to be that amazing person, that person that you know, all the people in the Bible look back on and go, wow, what a man of, of God, what a person who did amazing things. Each one of us has that kind of potential. And Lord, it all has to do with uh, the things we're going to get into next week. But Lord, it all has to do with your, your work in our lives. So many times, God, we see ourselves. And that's not always a bad thing. But if we stop there and we don't see you. So, Father, tonight we've touched on some things. We've touched on, Father, things of passion, things of heart, things that are in us. And so, Father God, tonight, Lord, if there are things that have kind of, you know, you know, this is what I do, but, man, this is what I really have a passion for. Lord, just kind of stir those things up. Lord, let the winds of your spirit just blow on those places in our lives. Father, if there's been dreams, you know, um, and, it, and, and, and again, I'm saying this to just help us understand that sometimes those dreams, those God-given dreams, don't have anything to do with a pulpit, a microphone. So just because we're in church tonight does not mean that I'm talking about or that God only has for you some sort of preaching pulpit ministry or that it has to be something to do with being in front of people. It may be something completely different. It could be as a business person, could be as a mom, whatever. It doesn't have to do with some sort of, so, so if you, you know, just because you're in third church, you're thinking that we're trying to make everybody preachers and teachers or something. No, 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 no. We want you to be what God wants you to be. And he's placed something inside of you that, that he's the one that can water and bring to life. And so, Father God, we just thank you for those things. And we believe we receive, Father, that those things will begin to stir once again. So, Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you, Father, for the encouragement that it gives, Father, that, that it's you. It's you that make us so amazing, Lord. It's you. Whatever we can do, whatever you've put within us, it's all about you. So, Father God, help us all to be really, really good at saying yes and just cooperating with you because you're going to do the rest. We just thank you for that. Lord, I bless everyone tonight. They've been such good listeners, so polite. Father God, we just ask, Father, that the words that we've heard just become part of us. Lord, there's a scripture that talks about how birds come and eat the seeds. And we just believe we receive no birds tonight. Whatever's been sown in hearts tonight is not going to be taken out. But Lord, that they're going to just continue to grow there. Lord, as we water it with the rest of the messages, Father, that that they'll just continue to grow. And we just give you all the praise and the glory for it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So we just bless you tonight. We um, go in the Lord, no announcements or anything. So we'll... See everyone later. If you uh, would like prayer tonight, um, please let us know. We'll make sure that somebody prays for you.